how long have you been doing game development? How, roughly. Well, man, I've been doing game development uh, professionally for about twenty, just on twenty years, really. Okay. Uh, but unprofessionally, you could say I'm still a bit unprofessional now. But like, <laughs> um, I've been doing it as a hobby since I was probably you know ten, maybe even younger than that. I had a little book that you know teach yourself how to make games and you'd literally type out the code from the book and run it on your old this is gonna show how old i am i'm like you know in my mid 40s now you would uh type the stuff into a book on your commodore and then it would run up and say you are in a forest and you go go north that kind of thing and i sort of learned from there but i've always had an interest in it wow and so welcome my friends to yeah episode ryan it's three. great to be here episode <laughs> three Humans are weird. We are weird indeed. This is true. There's never been a more apt title for a podcast. <laughs> I'm joined by a good friend, Oliver Joyce of Whiskey Barrel Studios. A lot of people know him as the creator of Swords and Sandals, my childhood game. And today joining us to talk about his life experiences, the things that he's gone through of being a game developer, as well as being a human and maybe talking about all of these things. I can't wait to get started. Yeah, and it's, it, it has been a journey. Uh, you realize no matter what you've done in your life, when you get to a certain age, you sort of, you look back at the sum of it all and you go, wow, you know, I've actually, I now have a story to tell. You know, we didn't expect on the way, but you know, it's, it's nice to have a, uh, someone who wants to listen. So <laughs> I look forward to it. Absolutely, and before we jump into it, like we do with every episode, let's take a moment to become grounded and, and present and, and hear fully. So if you're listening along, please join in. Let's take a moment and slowly close our eyes and take a deep breath in through the nose, filling the chest and stomach with air and slowly letting it go. Continuing this deep, mindful breathing, being fully aware of the inhalation and exhalation, sinking deeper into our body, becoming more mindful of the world around us. If you currently have any worries or problems just leave them at the door for now if you really want you can pick them back up at the end of the podcast and taking a time to be grateful for having stopped not having anything to do nowhere to be and coming back into the room looking around like it's the first time you've seen the room, taking some time to just be present and grateful. And now I have to kind of be honest, I feel like I'm almost uh, fanboying in a sense because a part of me is like, okay, I gotta keep this chill, calm, but in, inside, I feel like my heart's kind of racing because I'm like, oh my gosh, uh, this is my childhood like hero playing swords and sandals. <laughs> please, no, no, I'm, I'm like, please, uh, you're worthy, you're worthy, get up, to, to quote uh, a movie from a long time ago called Wayne's World. But no, honestly, um, I, 
I'm just in awe of, of people like you and your good friend Jerome and so on for what you've been able to build in YouTube and, you know, co connecting with your communities. Because, you know, in a weird way, it is a sort of, it's like a kind of a symbiotic relationship in terms of without the, the streamers and the content creators of the world, uh, no one would have ever played games like mine, you know, I, until sort of um, the, the, coincide, the coinciding of my game coming out back in about 2006 was when the first Sword and Sounds came out maybe 2007 um was a kind of the rise of youtube and it was only because of people like you and and jerome and others that uh started playing the game and then showing other people that i'm you know i'm able to do this today so you know there is a lot of mutual respect there and also you know i'm just a game developer i'm really there's nothing, there's nothing else behind there that needs to be sort of uh you know there's no halo or anything like that i just think that's that it's so funny how we uh, in a sense, you know, build up these people, especially in today's world. It feels like we live in a world of just celebrities and idols. And we put all these people on a pedestal because of the amount of followers they have or the amount of fame that they have. And it's so interesting how we really, you know, idolize these people as, as really famous. And it's kind of like really pounded into us. And I even still deal with this when I talk to you know, a quote unquote cool. famous person. I feel like anxious and nervous. And, and then I realize it's just a person. It's just a, it's just another guy, another girl, just, just like us, you know, living life, doing what they do. And and they too probably get anxious around their own heroes. You know, yeah. I, I'd imagine that sort of maybe in a different field, you might find that like, I don't know, maybe Taylor Swift gets nervous around like uh, meeting Dolly Parton or someone that she might've grown up, you know, loving or that kind of thing. So, and it, it's important to also know that, you like you said, everyone is human and everyone has their own insecurities and so on. And the celebrity will present this front of like, you know, I am all powerful, all conquering, all charismatic and so on. But, you know, behind the scenes, they're just as nervous about one thing or another. They've got something going on in their life that we don't know about. That, mm -hmm. And as long as you kind of realize that we're all just, you know, flesh and bone, sometimes you can kind of, yeah, it, it probably takes a while to get used to that and, and stop being starstruck by people. But, you know, they are just human. But it's hard when they are, you know, you have looked up for them for so long, right? Right, absolutely. I love, there's a quote that goes along the lines of, you know, be kind to everyone because everyone's fighting a battle you know nothing about. And especially with today's culture of, you know, Instagram and social media, we're always posting the best versions of ourselves. And when you're really famous and you have all this time and, and money and all these things, you can afford to post a really good version of yourself and sweep all the other things kind of under the rug and not, not necessarily show them to the world. And so a lot of the times we forget about that. And as individuals, we really only see the negative things about ourselves and always mm -hmm. like put a spotlight on those things. And then we put a spotlight on the positive things of others. And it creates this weird dynamic where we, you know, scrutinize ourselves and pick other people up. That's right. And, and these, these things, everything you see on Instagram and Facebook, and you know, we all know this, but it's all heavily curated mm -hmm. and in a way kind of designed to make you feel inadequate sometimes it's yeah. sort of like look what this other person is doing look what, what how good their life is and there's that old saying comparison is the thief of joy oh. because we will always you know be as soon as we see this we take ourselves out of our own lives and think oh 
but whatever I was happy with before, imagine if I was, I had this yacht or I was here in, you know, this tropical island, that kind of thing. When in reality, that person might've just been, you know, um, surrounded by mosquitoes or the, they just had a call about their, their grandparents had a fall or something like that. So there's always something, they're only presenting this best, best life, but you know, it doesn't tell the full story and it's so easy to just want to compare yourself to everyone else and, and everyone a little bit, it's got a bit more than you or whatever, but um, it is a major, major problem for uh, our society, especially, you know, the younger generations that are, you know, growing up online because you this this is what is what's the reality here you know what are we what are we we can't compete with this and so it's false of curated life and so what do you think is the the one of the bigger questions the not the cure but how do you think we guide people to not have this this comparison this kind of battle with social media and this this struggle of always kind of wanting something that that's not necessarily going to make us happy yeah it's a great question and i, I don't really have an answer except <laughs> i i think you because it's unrealistic to say just get off social media and you know delete your accounts and so on because there is also a lot to be gained from the connection and and the experiences that you can get from um being connected to people from all around the world and being introduced to new places and sites and things you wouldn't normally see uh I guess you just have to kind of, as you say, that first quote of, um, you know, uh, you don't know what someone else is going through. Um, always be aware that like what I'm looking at is not a hundred percent the reality. And also like, um, I can create my own memories and, you know, I can look at this and go, well, that's cool. I would like to have that, but you know, how realistic is that? Um, yeah, it's a very tricky one because yeah. as we, as we go, through life now everything is documented either by you or by someone else so it's really hard to unplug from all that and so what is how is it i guess since you're part of the older generation it's not really something that you've kind of had to grow up with oh, but man. what is have you had any experiences with this yourself with this kind of comparison because i know you're well, you talk about game development and that's what you do do you find yourselves comparing yourselves to other game developers and the and the creations and processes that you yeah. do yeah and and this will sort of touch upon this as i was going through the, the the podcast today um i am always and i don't want to do it but i'm always comparing myself to other game developers and also to a a standard that is very hard to um, live up to. And it's almost like, um, in a funny way, I sometimes think of myself like, imagine like, and this is again, gonna show my age. There was a, a singer in the nineties called Vanilla Ice, who had a song called <laughs> Ice, Ice Baby, right? In the early nineties, okay? And he never did anything else. And, or of note, like, you know, he did a few other Ninja Turtle songs. But, so this guy, um, from, Anything else he does, people are going to go, oh, you're the guy that did Ice Ice Baby. And there's, you know, thousands of one-hit wonder examples of this. And I often feel like I'll ever be known as, oh, you're the guy that made Swords and Sandals. If if anyone knows who I am at all, that's what they'll know me for. And that can be a good thing, but it also makes it difficult to kind of um, try and branch out and do something else. So whenever I try to make a new game or branch out and do something else, I'm constantly uh feel like i'm competing with um this version of you know myself that did that and 
or, or like maybe, you know, maybe you're only ever good at doing one thing, you know? And so yeah. I'm still feeling this inferiority of like, could you ever do anything else? Is, can lightning strike twice kind of thing? And I'm going through that right now. And so I do feel uh, a real sense of, and you talk about other game developers as well. I always see on Twitter and so on, other successful games made by indie developers and so on. And I kind of go, oh, wow, I'd love to be that guy. I'll look at that acclaim that they've got, you know, or look how many people are playing that and go, you think, oh, what if I'd come up with that idea? But the reality is, you know, for every person that has had a successful idea, there's a thousand people that hasn't, that mm -hmm. haven't. And so you have to be realistic about, you know, your own uh, successes and also just, you know, be go easy on yourself because, you know, it's not it's not a it's not the reality of of you know of game development is most of the time you're going to fail every now and again someone will succeed but you know uh, i'm just going to feel like i'm just lucky to be still doing it now after all this yeah time. i kind of resonate with that in a certain sense and kind of understand what you're saying especially with you know i do balloons content and so it's, i always go you know i'm the guy who does balloons videos and so if yeah. i and i never could really get out of that if I wanted to, I think I, I could really push it, but it's kind of like, well, if I'm known for this, why should I, you know, I should kind of mm -hmm. keep doing this. But I kind of love to talk about the fact that that's not who you're letting define you because you're known for swords and sandals, but you don't want that to be your staple. You've kind of talked about this previously on Express This, and you're working to build a new game, right? A new thing that you're working on that we've kind of talked about. And so mm -hmm. you're kind of going against this fear of, and this comparison of, you know, oh, I could just make swords and sandals games, or I could just do this, but it's not what you want to do, right? It's not what you're kind of driven to do. You want, you want to create games and do new things. And so even though you're kind of worried about this and have this underlying fear, you're going out to create something new. You know, you're putting your heart and soul into this new project and kind of pushing out to that. And I think that's so important is to always be trying to expand and grow and not get caught up in, you know, our past successes or failures and, and always moving forward for that. You totally have to do that. And that's a great way of putting it. You, you can't sort of just rest on the laurels of the past because then you'll stagnate and then you too will get sort of resentful of what you did in the past and trying to live up to that. But almost stepping sideways as I've done this year and try to, you know, uh, I, so I've built like literally about nine or ten different swords and sandals games and spin-offs and remakes. And, you know, it's it's over nearly 20 years, probably a little bit less than 20, maybe 15 years, but a lot, a lot of time to spend on one thing. Mm -hmm. And also it does start to define you creatively and it also the expectations of you. So to be able to step sideways is almost like just being able to go, well, um, hey, I'm completely free to do what I want now, but it also then puts you at the start of the race like everyone else. So you no longer have that advantage of, like, say, with you and, and balloons. Um, you you don't have the guarantee of the people that like you or follow you for what you do uh, that won't necessarily go with you on the next step of the way. So it is like you're removing the, um, the safety net. Yeah. And, and that can be exhilarating, you know. <laughs> That's wonderful to hear. And so one of the things I'd, I'd love to hear you talk about is that, you know, you've been a game developer and you've worked on these things because I'm, I'm hoping, assuming it's what you're passionate about. And so I'd, oh, yeah. love, I'd love to talk about this word happiness. And I'd love for you to talk about what does happiness 
mean to you and how do you live your life to kind of get what we call happiness or work to have it in your life? Yeah, this is a great question. And, and when we talked about doing this podcast earlier this week, I've been thinking about that all week and trying <laughs> to kind of just, you know, think internally, what, what does happiness, you know, what defines happiness for me? And, you know, there are so many measures of happiness. And uh, the thing that the first thing that came into my head uh, was, for me, happiness is the absence of chaos. Oh, and I that like sounds, that. You know, and I don't know, like, the, the best way to describe it is sort of when you, you are, you wake up and you sort of, you, you go and you do what you do, whatever it is that you do. If you don't have those random spanners that come in, like, okay, the, the car needs fixing, or all of a sudden I've, I've got a sore leg or, you know, or something more, way more major than that, or, you know, some kind of unpredictable element uh, that makes you, that takes you out of that reverie of like, oh, you know, I'm just going about my business. And that can be mistaken for sort of just, you know, you can be just content and not super happy, but you only realize that you're unhappy when something like that happens. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, um, it's taken a long time to truly be content in the in the day-to-day -day minutiae of my life and allow the little things along the way that make up a happy day. So this you, could, you can kind of... Um, and, and please stop me if I'm, I'm rambling here so, um, or, or just interject when you want to. But I feel like with happiness is sort of you can divide it into sort of little states of happiness and then that add up to greater states of happiness. And the little things like, OK, um, walking up the road to to get a coffee and, and just taking that 10, 15 minutes to sort of clear your head and the little routine you have every day or every few days or whatever it is uh, or um for me as a, a parent, just um, hearing the sort of the kids laughing in, in the background as they are now sort of there off in another room, I've got two young kids. Um, or, or it might be on a professional level, um, hearing some feedback about one of my games that, hey, you know, I really like this game or whatever. And, and they're all little kind of, it's like a little experience bar that goes up in a game term. <laughs> and that ends up to, adds up to, moments of happiness that you know bring you general contentment but it it cannot um it it, it they are all sort of fairly fleeting you know what i mean right. and i think a, a, a larger state of happiness has to come from being content with the steps you've done in your past to get to where you are and knowing that um you know, although you could have done things differently, uh, you are now where you are because of all the things you've done in the past. And if you if you try to think of, you know, what could I have done differently to get here, that can make you unhappy. So as long yeah. as you can try to kind of go, well, you know, here I am. Um, you can, and it's hard because I keep coming back to the word content and content and happiness. What uh, What's the difference, right? Um, being content in your life um, kind of eliminates the negative energy to mm -hmm. a point and as soon as you've eliminated the negative energy you have more time to focus on um the minutiae of what makes you happy and uh, as, as jerome was saying like um often you think you can um pursue goals to make you happy and when i get this i'll be happy when i get a million subscribers on youtube i'll be happy when i release a game that you know makes me this much money i'll be happy uh goals are good because they get you you know motivated but if your only measurement of happiness is when I reach this goal, I'll be happy, then you never get there. Yeah. You always have that 
um, you know, that feeling of discontent. Absolutely. As so well said, I think it's so important to, to have this contentment in your life, you know, being appreciative of where you are now. And it, I love what you said, talking about like all of the things you've done, whether you call them good or bad has put you where you are now. And that's so important, you know, to, to people are always like, well, this could have been this way or that could have been that way. And it's, it could have, but it didn't. And now we're here. And so there's times where we can find ourselves in a life situation that's not great. As you can say, you know, the car might break down or, you know, we might be dealing with a family issue or, you know, we find ourselves in a position in life that we're not, uh, you know, we're, that's, we're kind of feel like we're stuck in. And, you know, it brings this, this baggage, this heavy weight to it, this tightness in our chest or these, these problems. And I think it's so important to be able to not, not wallow in them, but be able to move forward, but also be content while moving forward and working through the problems in our lives. Because as you said, you know, there's always going to be something that comes to try to take this, this happiness. You know, there's always going to be not problems, but situations and challenges we find ourselves in. Life is not an easy process. There's always going to be tests, challenges, roadblocks, bumps, and ways that kind of take us off the path of what we want to do. And I think it's important to, to see these and, and not let that take away from the joy of now, the joy of being where we are now and be able to work through them while still being mindful and appreciative. Kind of like, as you said, taking that 10 minute walk to go get a coffee and clearing your head and just taking time to be. You're right. You're absolutely right. And, and, and you also touch upon a point there where you and I, and like, I'm, I'm sort of speaking for myself, but hopefully for you, we're coming from a position in our lives right now of great contentment. And I would say for me, uh, happiness. And I think I've probably never been happier, which has come from being where I am in my life. But often, you know, a lot of the people maybe listening today may not be in that position. And, and in certain times in your life, you have these, you know, peaks and troughs and you might be listening now and go, well, I'm not happy. And, you know, I can't really be content in where I am right now because, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's not a matter of, you know, just, you know, being content with this because I'm, you know, I'm in a pretty bad situation. Um, there's that saying, you know, it's always darkest before the dawn. Yeah. So you may be in a pretty dark situation right now, but know that like things change and they can change for the better. So if things have been just going badly for you things can and do turn around you know sometimes you need to intervene sometimes there are you know your luck changes and so on but you do need to try and just snatch happiness where you can even though it sounds ridiculous you know like you know if you're in like a pretty dark time with your health or whatever reasons um try just for your own state of being it's like you know how they say you know like if you can't get out of bed in the morning um and everything feels too much you just got to take it in tiny steps. Just put your clothes on, put your mm -hmm. shoes on. And then if you can get out of bed and do that, then you can just do everything in five minute chunks of like, okay, if I just, you know, clean my desk or something like that, or make the bed, then everything gets easier and easier. It's like, how do I eat an elephant one bite at a time? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I used to a long, not a long time ago. It was actually uh, several years ago. I was in a 
not great place. I used to be a very depressed individual and to the point where I couldn't really get out. I was that person who couldn't yeah. get out of bed in the morning. I was that person who, you know, I wouldn't take showers and during the day. I, like there was times where I would be in that position where I was just, I couldn't, I just couldn't bring myself to do things. And that, and it was so interesting because it's a catch 22 where it's like the, me not doing those things is what made me feel so bad. And I felt so bad because I wasn't doing those things. And it was this cycle. But as you said so wonderfully, it's one bite at a time. You know, it's, you know, just get out of bed. And then, you know, maybe you can't do all of these things, but you do them in small increments. My dad has a great saying that he talks about. And he says, life is all about tolerations. And we have things in our life that we tolerate. And so, mm -hmm. for example, uh, having a dirty room, that's what you tolerate. Every time you walk in, you see this dirty room and you tolerate it. Having dirty dishes, having uh, emails that you haven't responded to, a test that you need to do work. So we have all these things that we need to do and we tolerate it. And we get to a point in our life where we have so many things that we've let build up that it swallows us. And we feel so trapped and helpless. And we have all these things. And the way you break out of that is by doing the little things that you can when when they're presented to you. When you walk in and you see there's just a mess, just take five minutes to tidy it up. And then, and then you will be amazed as you slowly go through your life and remove these tolerations that you find yourself living in a much more you know, peaceful and calm environment. And, and one thing you also said where it's, you know, it, it's always darkest just before dawn. Whenever you're doing something in life, you always, especially when it comes to learning, but anything in life always goes through four stages. And you can, you can apply this to anything, learning, a relationship, a new skill, anything at all. It starts in the very beginning with high enthusiasm and low skill. So you're really excited about it, but you don't know anything about it. And then the next stage of it is where you have low enthusiasm and low skill. And this is where it gets really difficult because you don't know what you're doing, nothing's going right, and it's really frustrating. And this is where most people give up. And this is the key for relationships, learning new things, learning a musical, anything at all. And then if you push through that and where it gets real, because you feel like I can't do it, it's not, it's not gonna work, I'm not good at it, all of these negative thoughts and emotions, if you push through that, then you start to get some, you still have low enthusiasm, but now you're starting to get more skill. And then you get through the other side where you now have high enthusiasm and high skill. And that's so important to keep that in mind. Whenever you're doing something and it feels really, really hard, that's because the boulder is at the very top of the hill and you're about to push it over the hill and it's going to roll down on the other side ah that's so well said that's absolutely true and and like you said you you, you do go through these four stages and very easy to quit on that second stage of low enthusiasm and low knowledge and and it's and it's not just with like say right now you know you're learning the piano or you want to learn the piano it's there in the background sort of like you know you know almost taunting you uh -huh. you love the sound of the piano and and you can recognize the sound of a great pianist and how they can express themselves um through music and not through words but you don't know how to get there yeah and you i mean you or you know but you kind of don't know if you can do it but like you said as with learning as with getting yourself out of a funk or whatever it's small steps and then you'll be surprised with and it's the same with exercise you know i can't run five kilometers so i go you know 
walk for a bit and I run for a bit. And then the next day I go a little bit further and a little bit further and all of a sudden my lung capacity is a bit better. And then you didn't even realize, but your body adjusts and your mind adjusts. And then you all of a sudden you're running five kilometers or you're playing, you know, um, chopsticks on the piano. Then that chopsticks turns into like Moonlight Sonata or whatever it is. <laughs> and it, it's all a series of small steps. So I, I, my oldest boy is um, Isaac is five and he um, is a good drawer, but he gets very frustrated with himself when he can't draw perfectly. And then he, I, I'm also an artist, and so I draw. And then he goes, why can't I draw like you? And I said, well, the only reason I can draw like me is because I had to go through thousands of pieces of paper where I wasn't drawing like this, where I was, you know, making little mistakes and making little mistakes until I wasn't making the mistakes. And I always say with drawing, especially, they're all, there's no real mistakes. It's all just, you know, learnings and happy accidents and so on that you learn from. So everybody wants to be good at something or, you know, happier or um you know better or whatever it is but that doesn't happen without putting in the work and in yeah. small steps along the way and as long as you just don't try to don't try to tackle it at once but if you can just do a little bit and build good habits every day um you can apply this to anything good habits every day the best habit is consistency even if you're only doing a little bit and i struggle i mean it's really easy to sort of preach this and, and say this, but I, you know, I'm good at that in some respects, and then other things I'm useless at it. So um, with game development, I've gotten, I've gotten. I'm sure you're the same way. You know, you're disciplined at one thing, but then another thing you let out the window. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I, I that definitely hits me real hard, and I think it's really important to, to find that discipline in our lives to to apply that that small step to everything we do in our life, right? Because the journey. The journey of a thousand steps begins with just the first one, right? And yeah, I love that one. <laughs> and, and you have to be able to take one step every day, right? And mm-hmm. if just just one step, just a little bit of growth, because then you get to look back in a year and you go, "Wow, like look at how far I've come. Look at how the distance I've been able to to go with this." It's so absolutely uh, crucial, I think. And so I'd love to kind of talk about. Uh, we're kind of going about this but that always taking that one step extra because you're doing this thing that it it requires that right this game development working for yourself and how do you how do you kind of hmm, how do i how do i put this get started with that like if you have this big project right how do you get started on, on a huge project of like a, of a game, right? Or if you want to do something in your life, for example, like mastering a piano or, or learning a skill, what are the steps that you take? Like, I know it's one little yeah. one, but like, how do you structureize like creating a, a, a massive vision? Great question. And I think the, this can, like I said, it can apply to anything and it can be like learning a daunting new hobby, like a learning piano and so on. Uh, what I, like to do is I'll often get inspired by something and go, oh, I want to be good at this or I'm going to build this game about this. If you then go out straight away and buy all the tools you need and the best gear and or you, you know, write up all this stuff about it that day, uh, sometimes you're too caught up in the moment. You need to kind of let it sit and simmer at least for a, a week or two weeks and see if you still want to do it <laughs> because I'll often have these, especially with games, um, and I'm probably games are especially anything that is a creative 
pursuit that takes a long time to make, uh, be it a long book or a movie or whatever it is. Um, you have to kind of be prepared to be committed for a long time. So you have to kind of know, is this idea still going to be fun to meet in two weeks or three weeks? So often what I'll do is I'll kind of go, come up with an idea, write it down, and then, then, and then two weeks later, another idea comes on. And it's very easy, to, and a lot of game developers especially will go, oh, okay, now I want to do this, and they'll pivot from here to here and leave a trail of unfinished projects in, the, mm. in their wake. But if you come up with an idea and you stick with it, and then it still sounds good to you in a few months or even longer, that means you're probably going to be passionate about it. So the idea is the key at the beginning. But then, as they say, everyone is an ideas man. So you know, the implementation of the idea, the for me, I don't find it challenging anymore to sit down for a big project because I've done it a long time. So I kind of know that um, I know that I can do them because I've done it before. So uh, the reassurance just comes from you trust you, you you trust in yourself that yep, I've already been done this before. But if you've never done a big project before, uh, perhaps probably shrink it, make it smaller, you know, start smaller. But then having, I don't know, everyone says that, but then on the other, by the other hand, it's like some, some of the great successes are people that just ignored all that advice and went big and their first project was just this crazy big thing that no one ever thought of and they killed themselves to do it. But then it kind of, you know, blew up like a Stardew Valley or something where I'm not sure if you know the story behind that, but it's kind of a, quite a famous game success story. Uh, that's that farming game where there was a, a developer called Eric Barone and he this game over years and years and years but he worked nights and weekends and had a day job and you know his wife was supporting him uh you know helping to basically keep turn the lights on and this project was way bigger than he had ever done before he did all the art all the music and everything and it, all this time he's thinking gee have i bitten off too much <laughs> but then you know a few years later it came out and then you know now he never has to do anything else again but if he'd Sort of listen to the sort of like the inner voice saying this is too much for you you can't do this uh he probably would have built something a lot smaller and a lot less successful so you have to go big and believe in yourself which can lead to catastrophic failure <laughs> but you also have to be okay with catastrophic failure as long as you realize that you know failure is okay you know Absolutely. you can fail at something that's you know? that i'm so glad you said that because that brought me back to something that you that I wanted to bring up, which is the importance of being able to be the fool, to being the jester, because in order to become a master at something, you first have to be the fool. And so it's an evolution of, of archetypes or personalities per se. So anyone that was a master at something was once a fool at it. So you, it's very easy for us to look at people and say, wow, like a pianist and be like, wow, they are amazing. I, I could never be there. But they started by playing chopsticks, too. And so it's important to realize. And I think kids don't struggle with it as much. But I, I started struggling with it more when I started to get into my early teens and 20s. And I know young adults and even older generations struggle with this is the fear 
of being the fool, the fear of being someone who doesn't know something. And we, mm-hmm. it, it makes us uncomfortable to get out in there because, oh, what are people going to think of me if I, if I, you know, am I not that great? You know, maybe you want to go and learn how to dance, but you don't know how to dance. You're like, well, I don't want to go to instructor and, you know, be 45 and not know how to dance. That's really awkward. And it's really important to love and embrace this role because this role is the learning process of becoming a master of becoming great and so anything you do in life you're gonna have to be a fool and so fully embrace it and love it and enjoy that part of being a fool because that is the stepping stone for becoming great at something totally yeah you gotta enjoy the journey along the way and you know and will you fail what's the worst case you fail, people laugh at you. But then, especially in, in a modern society, the news cycle is so fast that by tomorrow they're forgotten. You know what I mean? Unless mm-hmm. it's, you know, if if it's, if it's <laughs> there is a certain um, degree of sort of shade and fraud, like, you know, a German word where like people like to laugh at the misfortune of others. Uh, if, if it's sort of like a comeuppance, like someone that, you know, is universally disliked, has a, something bad happened to them, it's human nature to kind of, you know, have a laugh at that but if you are, if your intentions are good and you're genuinely trying at something and you fail and you're learning uh i think for the most part uh people not only are accepting of it and and even if there's laughter i think people will generally be encouraging of it and yeah. kind of go well look they had the guts to do it they at least were out there you know learning to dance or and, and often they'll look at they go you know, gee, I wish I had that confidence yeah. or that, you know, look at them, they're, they're, they're not there yet, but they're trying. And anyone that sort of, you, you have your people that will get out there and do things and fail. And then there's others that will sit by the sidelines and kind of like um, go, gee, I wish I was doing that, but I don't mm-hmm. have the courage or the confidence. Yeah. So, you know, the first step is being okay with failure, laughing it up and then getting up and doing it again. And once you're okay with that, uh, there's not much you can't do if you, yeah. you know, keep going and going and going 100 percent. and it's some i think it's important to know is that people who laugh at those who are are really trying and and putting the effort into to grow and play the fool the people that laugh are the people who are afraid of the fool they are afraid of doing that themselves and so these are the people that uh can can ridicule and often do these things because deep down they're they're afraid of taking that leap they lack that confidence they're they're the same people saying gee i wish i could do that and one thing that you said kind of going back a little bit that i'd love to talk touch on when you're talking about the game development and you're talking about uh the stardew guy and you said oh he could have listened to that voice inside of him that said oh you know bite off a smaller project he wouldn't be in where he is i I love to kind of talk about that because i think we all have this internal voice and i think it comes and we have these almost these two polarities of voices right of of our consciousness inside of us that kind of leads us to do things right for example i have this this internal pull to do a a podcast and so i had this pull to say like i wanted to be here to be with you right now to share what i know with the world to ask you and have you share what you know but 
right before this, and right before I called you, I had another, you know, internal voice that goes, ah, you know, this isn't that, you don't need to really do this. You're kind of tired right now. Just maybe you can call it off and, and do it tomorrow. And you can kind of just like maybe watch a show that you've been wanting to watch. Right. And I think we all kind of have this. And so I was wondering what your thoughts on this are and moving forward, like uh, navigating this. Yeah. And, and like, that can be so seductive in terms of like the instant gratification of, you know, when you, for example, you don't feel like going out on a cold night to a party and the instant gratification of texting, sorry, guys, can't make it and sitting down and watching a movie on the couch. You know, there's that sort of like, oh, I feel so good. But then a little while later you go, well, you know what? You know, maybe I should have gone out. I'm a little bit feeling a bit lonely now. Or like, or you hear the next day, we had the best night. You know, you missed out. And, and, and so it, it's very... Anytime you kind of fall for the like instant gratification, sometimes and, and sometimes you just have to give into it and just let your you know give into what your body tells you. Look, I just need a, a night off, or I don't want to do this, or whatever. But if you make a habit of that, then you never achieve anything. You never get anything done. So sometimes you you just have to fight past that and just go like, I'm gonna do this podcast because. I will feel better about it. And also, there's something I wanted to do. And I knew that it wasn't going to be, um, you know, completely easy because it's out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and say with me, I could make swords and sandals games forever and there would be diminishing returns. So I probably couldn't, you know, at some point, like if I keep in doing the same thing forever, you know, no one wants to hear Vanilla Rice singing Ice Ice Baby in 2023. <laughs> so maybe in like 20 years time, if people are saying, you're still making swords and sounds. So like for me, I, in that same way that like, you know, you don't necessarily feel like, you know, you're up for it. If, if you don't step out of that comfort zone and try something new, then you're almost destined to fail. So yeah. I think for me, like we were talking about before is like the, you know, comparing yourself with others. And, um, I have, I have a constant fear of, uh, losing this, what I have built, the yep. happiness that I've built, because it, I'm, even though, like, even though we kind of go, well, you could always have more, you could always have a fancy house or, a, you know, um, faster car or whatever it is. I feel like uh, as, as I've gotten to this age, I'm now kind of, I feel like I'm here. I'm, I'm very content. I've got everything I could really want, um, you know, in a realistic sense. And now I'm having to fight to keep that. And so that's where the fear and often the motivation for me to keep going and to keep, I never stop making games in terms of I'll finish a game, might have a few days off. If that, then I'll start the next one because I, have to, I feel that if I don't keep swimming, I'll drown. Yeah, because you know? I think with this in the world that we live in, right, if you become stagnant and you don't move, you, you know, you sink. And I think that's, you know, life is like a river that's always flowing. And if you flow against the current, you, you're going to get tired and you're going to be, you know, you know, you're going to sink, you're going to drown. If you kind of just sit there, the river's going to take you wherever the river pleases. And that's normally not a great place. And so I think that the trick of life is being able to find a way to flow with the current, to flow with the river. And I think when you do this and find your grace in flowing with this, I think that kind of that fear you talk about and, you know, these these anxieties and worries, they kind of 
they don't melt away, but you, you kind of find this groove that you get to work through. Because as you say, it's so important to always keep moving, to always take that step. Because even if it's just the tiniest, tiniest step, because I think that the, I don't fear much in life. I used to fear a lot. Really, the only thing that I fear now is regret. And I fear living my life and then looking back and going, wow, I could have done so much more with my life. Like I could have been a better person. I could have learned more. I could have given back to more people. Because I think really ultimately life is about growing yourself, learning and helping the people around you. And, and really everything else doesn't necessarily matter. Everything else is kind of forgotten at the end of the day. Uh, absolutely. Um, that's <laughs> you, for a young man, you have a very wise head on your shoulders. Uh, I'll just tell you that now. There, there is a, when you're talking about the sort of analogy of, of rivers and, and, you know, going with the current and so on, there's an old saying, um, I don't know, you know, it's, it's a Chinese philosopher or something, someone, a rumor or someone, but it says something like, and I'm going to paraphrase it, but it, it says, oh, look for the swirling waters because there, put your hand in, that's where the fish are. <laughs> you know what I mean? So if, if the water is calm and, and calm and there's no fish, but if you really want something, go for that turbulence, you know, not to say, you know, jump into a raging current, but, you know, sometimes you have to put yourself out there and not live with regret. Um, one of the things that I have struggled with over the years in terms of happiness and contentment and so on is um, being nostalgic about the past and... Mm -hmm you know, where I was in the past and kind of thinking, well, you know, I regret, you know, not doing this or not doing that longer and so on. But, you know, I've seen in my wife the other night, all the, and, and it's fun to kind of have like, wouldn't it have been cool if I'd done this or sort of, you know, be a, a little, um, you know, role play what you could have done, you know, if I'd lived in this other city longer or, or you know, made this decision or that decision. But as we touched on earlier every decision you've made you've made has taken you to where you are today and nostalgia is something that and i've made a currency of nostalgia in terms of like <laughs> the reason i can still um you know sit here today and my job is to make my games based on the nostalgic love of these games from my audience so it is being good but nostalgia is also here's a funny thing ryan um nostalgia is a, a, a combination of two Greek words, right? Um, and it's nostos and algos. And nos, nostos means homecoming and algos means pain. So it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's almost like a return to uh, a, a wistful return to a painful place. And it sounds weird to think of nostalgia being painful, but you nostalgia can be a wonderful thing, but too much of it, means you're sort of trying to wallow in the past and get trying yeah. to get to a back to a place where you can never go yeah. and if you try to live in the past then you miss out on the present yeah absolutely i think that's so very very tricky is to is we all as we grow up as a kid i just wanted to be an adult and as an adult i just want to be a kid and it's so tricky as you get older you know we have these nostalgias for the ways that we felt and the smells of our childhood home, you know, smelling the fresh, fresh snow and pine cones and all of these things, uh, you know, take us back to a time 
where we didn't have all of these issues and problems and debts and mortgages and this freedom that we kind of uh, want, right? Because I think freedom is the most like important thing because without freedom, we feel trapped and we feel constrained mm -hmm. and having that uh, nostalgia that we kind of wallow in is, is, as you said, it could be very tricky. It could be a very, not dangerous thing, but I think it's so important to be now. That's why I think all of the the main teachings of any real like spirituality is always talking about just being here and now because if you're in the past you're going to have what is called as depression and if you're living in the future always worrying about that you're going to have what is called anxiety and there's no cure for either of the two except becoming here and now coming back and that's really the the only cure for those two things yeah absolutely and 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 being in the present is you know like you say it's the only way you can deal with those two things because it you know the future can be exciting the past can be uh wonderful to remember but you spend too long in one of those two places and you you get lost yeah. there's a reason that like the japanese love um the cherry blossoms you know the cherry blossom season that they have this is very fleeting it's only a few weeks a year in march it's and it is because one of the reasons it's beautiful you know you have these beautiful blossoms all through the city and, and the country but one of the reasons is it makes them appreciate being in the present because yeah. these things don't last for long and it brings them back to the present and you know at some point you get you, you get older and you kind of go wow you know those were the good old days the, the days we're in now and they're the good old days you know <laughs> so you try and have to like just appreciate where you are now and and you know the friends you have now and especially while you while you're relatively young the body you have yeah the 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 miracle of the human body and the fact that we can do all these things and the unlimited potential you have to learn piano or you know go anywhere in the world you know, you know within reason but like uh -huh. the infinite possibility we have yeah there's so much that we could do in our life and experience now that it's so important to be here and to be now. And that's why, in, in, a, in a weird way, depression and anxiety are very helpful. They're very, very important because they're reminders that, hey, come back to now, come back to being here to, because right now is the good old days and you can make them the good old days. And so taking time to be mindful and to be present of you know going on a walk or taking time to look at flowers you know smell the roses as you go by it's so so important because we live our lives always not here you know when it's so crazy how much we don't listen you know, we'll go through our days if, if you pay it if you really pay attention as you go through your day you'll realize you're not really here for example you might be you know walking to the kitchen and instead of just walking to the kitchen you're going oh i'm gonna eat this out of the fridge and i'm gonna drink this and then afterwards i'm gonna go watch a tv show and then all of a sudden the day's over and you spent the whole day either thinking about the past or worrying about the future or planning for it and you were never really in the present moment doing what you are doing and it's really a, a tragic thing that most people kind of live their lives never really engaging in the now absolutely the, the 
beginning of the podcast when you did the, the breathing exercises and the, the mindfulness. Um, my wife is a, a big practitioner of mindfulness and it's something that I have wanted to get into and, it's, and I've, again, haven't tried very hard. I got to the, the second stage where it was like, you know, low knowledge, low skill kind yeah. of thing and then, you know, low enthusiasm. But I can see how important that is because even at the beginning when I was doing that, I don't know, you might be able to see it on the video, but the, my eyes are sort of like, you got that REM state where like a million things are still yep. going through my head. And, and it's so, it's very hard for everybody. Maybe it is for everybody. I find it really hard to just let that go and uh-huh. be in the moment and, and just literally try smelling a flower. You know, that smell amazing. <laughs> it, it's, it's those actions that, you know, calm your mind and, and, not thinking about what I want to get for food, you know, you know, all these different things. Just be aware of these steps, yeah. of breathing and so on. Uh, and I, 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 without being any good at it, I would recommend trying mindfulness to anyone. Absolutely. Because it, I think it's one of the best things you can do for your mental health. And it's something that I want to get better at. It's, it truly, it changed my life. So uh, with me... When I was around 18 or 19, struggled immensely with anxieties and depression, and I was just in a really bad state in my life. And I went to, I was going to therapy, and I was told that I had chronic depression, and I was going to be this, because of a chemical imbalance in my brain, and I was going to be depressed for the rest of my life, and that I needed to take medication. And that, that's what he told me. And I mm. rejected that notion and said I didn't want to do that. And I really dove into the world of mindfulness. So I dove into meditation and more of to, to calm my mind because it was always racing. And I experienced the, the same things that you talked about because mindfulness at the beginning, it's kind of like going to the gym, but for your mind. When you first go to the gym, you know, your, your muscles are weak and everything's really difficult. You know, push-ups are really hard and sit. you can't really do anything. And the next day you're just sore and everything's just awful. But if you go for, you know, a couple of weeks, you'll realize you'll start getting stronger. And it's the same for mindfulness where the way you calm a mind is you can't think to yourself, I'm going to calm my mind because you're using the mind to calm the mind and it's just going to go around in circles. It's like a dog chasing its own tail. The <laughs> mind is like a lake inside of our our body. And of course, the way you calm water is just by leaving it be. And so the, the practice of mindfulness and meditation isn't to do anything. It's to listen. It's to sit and just watch your mind and to watch your body and to just be aware of it and it'll be kind of like a child where you'll be sitting there meditating and like all of a sudden you're thinking about something. Oh, what am I going to do? And you go, no, 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 We're coming back to watching the breath or looking at a candle. And then it goes away. No, 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 no. You bring it back calmly without judgment, like a monkey, a little child running around and you keep breathing it back. And eventually it kind of just gets bored and gives up. And most of our lives, our mind like runs us. Our mind is always doing things. And we can actually gain control of our mind, of our thoughts. We can learn to calm and silence it through the act of just 
I don't want to use like the words meditation and mindfulness because I feel like, you know, there's so much new age that's used, but it's just an act of listening, of taking time to sit down and just listen to your body, to your emotions and to your mind. So true. And, and for those who kind of think, well, my mind is racing all the time. Those are the ones that you need it the most, you know, some people say, I could never do that because my mind is always active. And, and I have my own doubts in terms of, well, I cannot shut off my mind, but I've had little, little breakthroughs with it where I've gone, yeah, you know, it is possible. And the positive change is, is remarkable. And it's yeah. just like the positive change you find going to a gym or going running or wherever it is, you're, you know, you, you like you spoke on an earlier podcast that you were given one car for your whole life you know mm -hmm. you'd look after it right same with your body same with your mind you you have to treat them uh in terms of you got them for your whole life so uh -huh. do whatever you can to sort of you know beat it right and also be and be forgiving of it as well because yeah. you know these things don't happen instantly exactly it's like those small steps every day that we take to be mindful to to bring ourselves back to the present moment whenever we kind of get lost and you know get frustrated and you know, to the, those of you that have a crazy mind, for those of you that it's racing and running all of the time, and I've, I've talked to people and I've experienced this myself. When you first start mindfulness, it almost feels like you become more anxious. You become more uh, like sh kind of stressed in a sense. And it's not necessarily that it makes you more of this. You are just simply becoming aware of what's always there. When you have a busy mind, it's kind of like static TV that's always running in the background, like a white noise, just a and you and it. But we become accustomed to tuning it out through social media, music, video games, TV shows, and things that we do to distract ourselves from our noisy mind. And the act of meditation kind of brings these things to the surface and we acknowledge them and see them and actually they start to go away. And so in the beginning, Meditation's actually not, it can be very challenging and very difficult because it's bringing to the surface problems and mental activity we're not aware of all the time. But by being aware of it and noticing it and realizing it and allow and seeing that, it then begins to kind of become more calm and you're able to have that static turn off. And once, when you have a moment in your life where that static finally turns off, and you get to experience what people call meditation, um, the place between thoughts, flow state, mindfulness. Flow state, yeah, I was gonna say. It's your mind, you, you'll never, it clicks of what it's all about. And I think that's so important to, to live our lives, to, to be working towards those. And it's obviously, you know, worked for you and, and you, you've basically been able to sort of counter, uh, uh, you know, a, a medical diagnosis of like, you're going to need this, these pills and so on, and you're never going to get past this to like, you know what, I don't accept that. I believe that, you know, I can probably, I can turn this around and you've been able to. So, you know, your testament to sort of the, the power of the mind and the power of also just not giving up on something, mm -hmm. you know, because I'm sure it wasn't easy in the beginning. Um, and you've turned it around. Yeah, absolutely, my friend. Oliver, thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast. It's been an honor to be able to talk to you and hear your thoughts on life. It's been really wonderful, my friend.
It's been a great pleasure, Ryan, and I wish you all the success. And humans are weird. And I look forward <laughs> to hearing for more weird humans in the episodes to come. So, Oliver, before you go, a quick closing question, comment. If you were to sit yourself down with a younger version of you, maybe a 15, 16, or 20-year-old version of you, what would you say to them to give them advice well, into the world? Or what would you tell them to help them find what they're looking for? I mean, the flippant answer would be like, buy Bitcoin <laughs> and, then, and then sell. <laughs> no, no, but I, I mean, honestly, I think I feel like because I'm in the state now where I am and everything's happy, I would just say have confidence that you're making the right decisions. And even if you're not, uh, you're going to be okay. There's, there's a cheesy old song by a guy called Rod Stewart, who's, you know, in his 70s, 80s now, but... Here's a line from the song that says, lucky is believing you're lucky. Oh, you know, luck is that. just believing you're lucky. So if you just kind of go, you know what? I can succeed. No one's, well, no one's telling me otherwise. And you, you, know, you don't always get there, but at least you'll enjoy the journey. Yeah. And that's what I think what I tell myself is don't worry too much about you know, the small failures along the way because all you got to do is be a bit lucky and survive and then you know, in 30 years time, um, you're going to be pretty happy. Even if I can't tell you how, you'll get there. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Oliver. And of course, my friends, stay weird. <laughs>